So I'd like to welcome everybody tonight. I always welcome the way uh, Baba Muktananda did by saying each night in Hindi, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that to welcome another person with love is the essence of spirituality. You have to welcome another person with love, and perhaps even more important, you have to welcome yourself with love. Because we may have a lot of people who judge us, but no one judges us more harshly than our own negative inner voice. And so if we learn to love ourselves and accept ourselves, we're halfway there. So in that, in that spirit, I want to welcome you all to the program tonight. And of course, it's uh, Easter. <clears throat> and I found a really nice quote by Baba on Jesus. He said, a great saint such as Jesus is not so concerned with material things. He's concerned with the human heart with turning the human heart towards the Lord, with filling it with divine love. Everyone should feel close to the Lord. You should feel as close to him as you feel to your friends, or even to your body, your senses, or your mind. Therefore, the life and death of a saint like Jesus is full of great significance. The sages say that a great saint who's seen the Lord in his heart who has worshipped him on the altar of his heart, blesses and uplifts all mankind. And I profoundly believe that, that um, way back in 1970, um, when I met the American yogi Ramdas, that very night I became convinced that there were great beings, great souls, uh, alive on the planet, even now, not just back in the Buddha's time or Jesus' time. But even now, and these people who had realized the ultimate spiritually, who'd come to merge in their own inner self. One way of saying it is they knew God. Another way of saying it is they knew the self. They knew consciousness. They knew the essence. Um, and that these beings had attained the spiritual goal and become completely centered in the self, in, in the state of happiness and joy and love, and that's when I went in search of one, and, and uh, somehow I managed to find one in India. Um, <clears throat> and so ever since I've been celebrating great beings, because there are great beings of every tradition, beings who've realized the self, they call it samadhi, satori, enlightenment, there are many names for it, but it's the ultimate goal of spirituality. So tonight uh, on Easter, I'm celebrating another great being. Uh, I'm celebrating Jesus, but I'm also celebrating a great yogi that I met one time in Bombay, now Mumbai, but Bombay then. Um, he was uh, a sage who had a very unusual profession. He was a cigarette salesman. He sold cigarettes. He had a, a chain of cigarette shops after a while. So while he was freeing their souls, he was also killing their bodies. Um, <clears throat> certain irony in that, isn't there? But um, uh, so one, on one particular day, I went to a very humble part of Bombay uh, and went to his house and 
uh, met him privately. No one was around. We had a chat. He spoke Marathi and I spoke English. Uh, we've somehow communicated. Uh, and then later, I, when I read his books, I realized that he was not just a sweet person, which I had seen with my own eyes, loving. Uh, he was also a, a, a great yoga of the path of wisdom with an iron uh, intellect and a deep understanding of the truth. And his name was Nisargadatta Maharaj. And let's see what we have. <clears throat> there he is. There's a picture. I've never seen this picture of him before. You can see that behind him is Ramana Maharshi, who was not his guru, but was one of his heroes in the path of Advaita Vedanta, a non-dual uh, yoga. So there's uh, Nisargadatta. What else do we have? There he is. Uh, this is a very typical uh, pose where he's discussing. He liked to debate. He liked to discuss. He liked questions. He liked people to challenge him. And then he spoke about uh, the path of wisdom. And we have one more. There he is, in familiar posture. Very intense stare. He, was all, he never was a, a swami or a sannyasi. He never had an ashram. He always lived with his family as a householder, and he would have uh, uh, satsang every night, but people would come up, they would do some chanting, and then he would answer their questions. And he'd gone to Mumbai, Bombay then, uh, as a young man, because his, uh, sometimes they would send the, the, uh, one of the boys in the family into Bombay to make a living, send money out to the farm, and because he came from a rural area, and he went in and uh, uh, he scraped together a living and finally became a cigarette salesman, as I said. Uh, and then sometime in his 30s, I think, the spiritual bug hit him. Now, a lot of you in this room know what it's like when the spiritual bug hits you. Then nothing will satisfy you except trying to know who, the answer to who am I. What am I really about? What is this life about? Fundamental questions. And it was then that he, he met a guru, uh, and the guru told him, meditate on the I am, on the I am. Contemplate I am. What does that mean to be I am? And he, he did that assiduously. Studied. For three years, he did nothing else while he was doing his work. Uh, and by his own uh, testimony, after three years, he was established in the self, and then he began his dialogues. And so here's one of his dialogues. We can <clears throat> okay, this is, uh, he, uh, it, he produced, many books have been produced on his dialogues, uh, but the first one that I saw, and probably the best one, is called I am that. It's got 101, I think, of these dialogues from the, the late, from the early 70s, I think. <clears throat> so here's a dialogue with Sri Nasaga Dada Maharaj. Now, uh, a trigger alert. <laughs> it's very philosophical. So you may go into a Nasaga Dada trance, but that's all right. It won't hurt. 
<coughs> it's also very practical too. Question, I've realized that the spiritual journey is really a search for happiness. Could Maharaj talk about happiness? Well, that's a very good and direct question because it all does boil down to that, isn't it? We're all looking for happiness. <coughs> Maharaj says, real happiness is utterly unselfconscious. It is best expressed negatively as, there's nothing wrong with me. I have nothing to worry about. That's the Vedantin's way of looking at happiness. Not like, wow, am I happy? But it's, there's nothing wrong. I have nothing to complain about. Pretty good. That's a good state. After all, the ultimate purpose of all sadhana, all spiritual practice, is to reach a point when this conviction, instead of being only verbal, is based on the actual and ever-present experience. To, to feel there's nothing wrong with me, I have nothing to worry about. That's a very high state, actually. Very difficult state to attain. <clears throat> Question, which experience, Maharaj? The experience of freedom, being uncluttered by memories and expectations. is like the happiness of open spaces, of being young, of having all the time and energy for doing things, for discovery, for adventure. It's an interesting metaphor. He's saying, uh, <clears throat> uncluttered by memories and expectations. It should be this way, it shouldn't be that way. When our, our brains are always fighting with reality, always wanting it different. We don't want the bad things, we want more good things. And then we start beating ourselves up, comparing ourselves to others, and make ourselves completely miserable. So he's saying, instead it should be like, being in an open space, being young, lots of time to explore and do these things. Nice metaphor. Question, what remains to discover? Maharaj says, the universe without, the universe without and the immensity within as they are in reality in the great mind and heart of God. Wonderful sentence. So what do we have to discover? The outer universe, which is vast, the inner universe, which is just as vast, if not more vast, and the great mind and heart of God. If you're allergic to the word God, it means just the endless, open possibility of consciousness itself. He says, the meaning and purpose of existence, the secret of suffering, life's redemption from ignorance. Understand why we suffer. This is what the Buddha said. The Buddha said, there is suffering, that was his first remark. There is suffering, suffering has a cause and suffering can be overcome. This is the essence of what the inner search is about. Question, if being happy is the same as being free from fear and worry, can it be said that absence of trouble is the cause of happiness, if you have no trouble in your life? Maharaj, a state of absence of non-existence cannot be a cause. The causes are hidden and the great and mysterious power of consciousness. Your true home is in consciousness, empty of all content. Pure consciousness before there are thoughts, from which thoughts come. This is, he's saying, our home. We call that the self, pure awareness. Question, emptiness and nothingness, how dreadful. Maharaj. 
you face it most cheerfully when you go to sleep. You go into a nothingness, don't you? And you're really looking forward to it. <clears throat> find out for yourself the state of wakeful sleep, and you'll find it quite in harmony with your real nature. I want to do a little exercise on that in a minute. Words can only give you the idea, and the idea is not the experience. All I can say is that true happiness has no cause, and what has no cause is immovable, which does not mean it is perceivable as pleasure. What is perceivable is pain and pleasure. The state of freedom from sorrow can only be described negatively. To know it directly, you must go beyond the mind addicted <laughs> to causality and the tyranny of time. You can't describe it in words. You can't describe it in positive terms. You can only say, it's not this, it's not this, is what he's saying. <clears throat> but I want to do that. I like this state of wakeful sleep. So I like, I've always liked this uh, dharana, which I adapted from the, from the text, the Vigyana Bharva. But it's to close your eyes now. Let's do this, just for a minute. Close your eyes and pretend that you're asleep. While awake, pretend you're asleep and see what happens. I'm asleep. Notice what happened. Now open your eyes. You notice what happened there? Anybody fall, actually fall asleep? Never once happened in the times I've done this. <laughs> but it's a terrific meditation, isn't it? Okay, I won't ask you about it, but we'll go on. Question, what is the link between the mind and consciousness? Uh, Maharaj says, the mind, the, being a product of conditions and circumstances, depends on these conditions and circumstances and changes with them. So the mind depends on events and thoughts, and it's always changing according to events and thoughts. What is independent, uncreated, timeless and changeless, and yet ever new and fresh, is beyond the mind. When the mind thinks of consciousness itself, the mind dissolves and only happiness remains. So here's another one. I like to do this one. The mind thinking of consciousness itself. So let's do that for a second. <clears throat> now when you turn, close your eyes and you start to think, you usually think about events. What I have to do, what I, you know, what that person said about me and what do I think of that person and what, are, what am I going to do tomorrow and did I do all right there? And, and we think about all these different things. And, um, but now, use your mind to think about consciousness. Think about you're a conscious being. You're a conscious right now. You're alive, you're awake, you're present. Turn your mind to think about your own consciousness. very indefinable, but your consciousness is there. Think about it. 
Okay, let's open our mind. He says the mind dissolves when you think about consciousness. Did anybody have a good thought about consciousness? What thought did you have? Anybody? No? Everybody's, everybody's in a state of uh, meditation, I can see. <laughs> They're still asleep. <laughs> Wakeful sleep. <laughs> so the questioner says, when all goes, nothingness remains. Maharaj. Maharaj never satisfied with any comment by the... By the so if you went to see him, you'd better be quiet because whatever you said, he would contradict. That was his, uh, that was his sport. Or if you enjoyed that, it was good. It's always correct. He says, nothing, this is, nothing is only an idea. It depends on the memory of something. Pure being is quite independent of that which is definable and describable. Question. Please tell us, beyond the mind, does consciousness continue or does it end with the mind? So what's the relationship between consciousness and the mind? Maharaj says, the mind comes and goes Consciousness shines immutably. So can you see that inside yourself? The mind's always talking, sometimes it discusses this topic, sometimes that, but your awareness is always there. That's the distinction. Question, who is it that is aware? <clears throat> Maharaj, for a person, there's an awareness that I am. Usually, this only means I'm aware of thinking about being aware. If you take that I am beyond the mind, it falls into consciousness. So his method was to say to himself, I am. So say to yourself, I am, I am. This is the most mysterious of things, because we always say, I'm this, I'm that, and you all know about who you, you feel, I'm this, I'm this person, and. I believe this, and I think that, and I believe in, uh, I don't know, vaccines, and I don't believe in vaccines. <laughs> and, we, you know, we're very big on well, whatever it is we believe. Um, but who is the I? Who is the I am? Focus on I am. It's a very healthy exercise. Discover who we are. <clears throat> Question, what about witnessing? Maharaj, witnessing is of the mind. That's one of the methods of meditation, is to become the witness where you watch what you think. You separate the mind in two. One part watches the thinking. So you're aware that you're thinking certain thoughts. That's called the witness, but he's saying that's part of the mind. The witness goes with the witnessed. In the state of non-duality, all separation ceases. In the state of non-duality, everything is one consciousness. Question, what about you? <laughs> it always comes down. So tell us about who you are, Mr. Sage, Mr. Realized Being. You're telling us all these highfalutin theories. Who the hell are you? How do you see the world? You know, this is the question we all wanted to ask Baba, but nobody was uh, brave enough to ask. There was one guy, there's a psychologist named Harold. 
from America, American psychologist. And he would ask Baba very naive questions. He did, and um, any of us asked, we would be shocked. But we loved that he did this. We'd sit around and listen. And um, you know, if any of us did it, we'd think we were just complete assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we loved it. You know, he'd say, Baba, why, why, why? And Baba would go, Harold. And we'd listen, you know. Anyway. And what about you? Do you continue in awareness? Maharaj says, the person, the I am, this body, this mind, this chain of memories, this is the way we, he's saying, as a person, I am, I have a chain of memories. Every person has his own memories. Every person has his own body, mind. This bundle of desires and fears, everyone is a bundle of desires and fears. Do you think of yourself? I'm saying that I'm a bundle of desires and fears. <laughs> It's a real reduction, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I think of a bundle of desires and fears moving through the universe. <laughs> That's the human individual. <clears throat> this, bundle, this bundle of desires and fears remains there, but my identification is with something beyond that. So he's saying that it doesn't change. The person, there's still a person who likes this, doesn't like that, likes chocolate ice cream, doesn't like vanilla ice cream, likes this, likes that, likes this TV show, not that one, likes uh, uh, heavy metal but doesn't like rap, you know, this kind of person. By the way, we're having Woodstock is next door. <laughs> so after this, you can go join Woodstock over there. <laughs> this, guy has been, this guy's been going for like 24 hours, 48 hours. So um, <coughs> now I've lost my place, you know. <laughs> he says, my identification was something beyond that. He says, I'm able to become a person when required. It's not that he's no longer a person, because we used to think, is this guy a person? He's still a person, but he's also connected to something beyond the personal. He says, love creates its own necessities, even of becoming a person. So sometimes even a sage has to become a person. <clears throat> so that's an interesting answer, isn't it? I don't know if it explains anything, but it's good. <laughs> Question. <clears throat> Are you still with me? This is, uh, I've got, let me see. I've got two more pages. Can you do this? Yeah, enjoying it? Okay. I love, I love uh, these kind of philosophical things, but, you know. <clears throat> Question. It is said that reality manifests itself as existence, consciousness, bliss. Are they absolute or relative? So what is he translating when he says existence, consciousness, bliss? Satchitananda. So that's the Satchitananda. That's, <clears throat> that's the way the Upanishads talk about consciousness. It's comprised of sat, being, chit, consciousness, and ananda, or bliss. In other words, it has a, a beingness, it exists. It also has a thinking part and a feeling part. 
at the highest level. So this is Sat Chidananda. Uh, I'm remembering a, can I tell you this story? About, uh, there was a guy named Michael Graham in uh, City Yoga, and he gave a talk in which he said that he was in traveling in India, and he had to go to the toilet, had to go to the toilet, <laughs> and he couldn't stop, and they finally stopped the, uh, the car, and he ran out into a field, and he sat, shitted, and had Ananda. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it just came into my mind. <clears throat> but Satchitananda, I, it, <laughs> now you see, I poisoned your mind forever. That's what he did. When he said that to me, I, could, I always think of it. <laughs> but Satchitananda is the way they talk about it. <laughs> I see a very dark road opening in front of me. <laughs> I won't go there. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so Maharaj says, there are three terms that refer to the same thing regarded from different angles. So sat is chit is ananda. They're all different, they're all different aspects of the one thing. He says, just as three different people would describe the same event in three different ways. So it's not that the, the self is threefold, it's just different ways of talking about the one thing. <clears throat> Question, what is the relation between reality and its manifestations? Maharaj, in reality, all is reality and all is identical. The real reality is there's only one, only one. As we put it, Saguna and Nirguna are one in Parabrahman. <clears throat> Saguna means form, and Nirguna is formless. Or the Buddhists say uh, emptiness, what do they say? Emptiness is form, and form is emptiness. They mean that uh, all the multiplicity that we see and the oneness, they, they seem separate, but they're really one. They phase in and out of each other. So he says, um, Saguna and Nirguna are one in Parabrahman, in the Absolute. There is only the Supreme. In truth, it is only the mind that moves or does not move. In movement, the mind is Saguna, which is multiplicity. Motionless, it is Nirguna. It is one. When the mind is moving, you have the world. When the mind becomes still, there's only oneness. The real is beyond, and you are beyond. Once you understand that you are that which is beyond, you are free of your imaginations. You can simply be yourself. <clears throat> simply be yourself. That's a nice dharana. Okay, just, just do this one for a second. Simply be yourself. You have no requirements. You don't have to put on an appearance. You don't have to be great. You don't have to look good. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be witty. You don't have to be charming. You don't have to be nice. You can just be yourself. Say, just feel what it's like to simply be yourself right now. Just be yourself.
Okay. It's a great thing to be yourself, isn't it? You're the only one who can be yourself. You're the best at being yourself. No one else can be yourself. Be yourself. <coughs> so, he says, you got a problem? What happened? Oh, Woodstock has come here. What? Oh, they're coming to Satsang, sure. Yeah. Does Woodstock come? What? Yeah. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> the Jefferson Airplane is about to perform. Maharaj says, we miss the real by lack of attention and create the unreal by excessive imagination. That's another great line. This is filled with great lines. I'm going to have to inhibit myself here. We, we, uh, we don't pay attention to what's real, but we pay excessive attention to what we imagine. Wonderful statement. You have to give your heart and mind to these things and brood over them repeatedly. You have to really pay attention to who you are and to the spiritual process. You have to take it seriously. The world's going to tell you to take everything else seriously, all the externals. But those externals will never make you happy. They'll never fulfill you. Only knowing the self is going to ultimately fulfill you. So he's saying, take it seriously. Give your heart and mind to it, at least a little bit. That's why begin with a little bit of meditation every day. Meditate where you focus on your own self. Even if it's 15 minutes a day, that's great. And then gradually you'll, you'll begin to see that you're doing that while you're doing everything else. You're always aware of a thread of your own selfhood, and you're discovering who you are, and it's emerging. Uh, he said, give your heart and mind to these things and brood over them repeatedly. It's like cooking food. You must keep it on the fire for some time before it's ready. It's fashionable in sort of modern, uh, non, uh, you know, Advaitic circles, non dual to think that you can have instant enlightenment. A lot of these modern teachers say one day they were sitting in the park and they got enlightened. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to work on it again and again and you, you cultivate it and you come in touch with it and then you lose it and then your desires and your fears come up and pull you away and you forget it and then you come back to it and you, you keep working with it and then more and more you establish yourself in it. <clears throat> He says, I'm just, this is, uh, this is a, probably a two-part thing, isn't it? I'm, I'm going to come, I'm going to just do one more section of this. This too long. I'm taking too much time. <coughs> I mean, I'm reading, I'm saying too much. <laughs> Question, am I not under the sway of destiny? of my karma. So what's he saying? Saying, saying, you know, 
I don't, I'll never attain the goal of spirituality because I have too much karma. I have too many commitments and things and concerns. He says, what can I do against it? He says, what I am and what I do is predetermined. Even my so-called free choice is predetermined. Only I'm not aware of it and I imagine myself to be free. So I'm just under the sway of destiny. Everything is predetermined. Maharaj. Again, it all depends on how you look at it. Ignorance is like a fever. It makes you see things which are not there. Karma is the divinely prescribed treatment. This is really interesting. Welcome it and follow the instructions faithfully and you'll get well. So your karma, you say, welcome your karma, whatever unfolds in your life. Good luck, bad luck. Let it come because we resist it, we fight it. A patient will leave the hospital after he recovers. To insist on immediate freedom of choice and action will merely postpone recovery. Accept your destiny and fulfill it. This is the shortest way to freedom from destiny. Don't fight against it, but flow with it. I think to each of us it'll have a different meaning. This will resonate in a different way for us. <clears throat> so accept your destiny and fulfill it. This is the shortest way to freedom from destiny, though not from love and its compulsions. And here's the great line. To act from desire and fear is bondage. To act from love is freedom. Another great zinger. When you act out of desire or fear, when you look at, uh, when you're motivated um, out of desire or fear, if you look at every action you do, when you do something out of fear or do something out of uh, desire, it has a certain feeling to it. It's not a good feeling. When you do something out of love and fullness, it has a completely better feeling. And to, if you can act out of love, there's freedom in that. When you act out of desire and fear, you're always in bondage. You're always tied to that. <clears throat> That's something worth uh, thinking about deeply. Question, that is beautiful, but it seems that desire and fear overwhelm love. Where does this desire and fear come from? Maharaj, you yourself are the cause or source of desire and fear. But also you yourself are free from both. So he's saying that we cause it through our mental activities, I want this, I don't want that, and yet our essence is free of it. The truth of us is free of it. He said, question, how am I the cause of fear? Maharaj says, all depends on you. It is by your consent that the world exists. <laughs> Withdraw your belief in its reality and will dissolve like a dream. See, this is deep. In the same way, you create the world of your inner world. For fear to exist there, you have to give your assent. If you say no fear, if you say no fear, then fear cannot find a place. So he's saying we're, that, see, spirituality makes you responsible for your own state. If, you, if you're filled with fear, it's because you or I am allowing it in. It's a very, it, it may seem unjust. Oh no, how can you say that? 
But when you take responsibility, then you have a chance to overcome it. And you say, okay, I choose not to do it. And then you work like heck to find ways not to be under the thraldom, the imprisonment of fear or hatred. You can be swept away in hatred and paranoia and all these things. He says, you create it. You do it. He's saying you're responsible. You can't blame the government or somebody else. You have to take responsibility. This is the start of the spiritual process. <clears throat> he says, what a question. No, no, what if something terrible happens and I'm overcome with fear? Surely I didn't create that fear. He's saying, give me a break, man. Maharaj, even this is a choice. He's being very nasty. But to make such a choice, you need to have a lot of inner strength born from suffering and from deep understanding. At some point, you can say no to fear, even in a disaster. <clears throat> in fact, that's what Easter's about, is that Jesus was able on the cross, and that's a very high bar to forgive, you know, to forgive and, and so on. Of course, that's beyond ordinary human beings. But in, in, we're all crucified by life. Life crucifies every one of us. And in that crucifixion, we have to learn how to take responsibility. He says, you can say no to fear even in a disaster, but that point is far away. You must build your strength little by little. It means practice, do some practice. How can I build my strength? He says, hold on to the I am as though it is your nearest and dearest. I'm going to end it there because it's a beautiful place to end. He's saying, how can I do it by remembering who I am moment to moment? Hold on to the I am. Keep the thread of consciousness going. So that's what we should do. We should meditate now. <clears throat> Very interesting, isn't it? Great dialogue. Was that too philosophical? Tell the truth. Yes, that was too philosophical. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. If Davy Ma allows it, then it's okay. <laughs> it was theosophical. <laughs> we'll meditate for 10 minutes. So what he's saying basically is give some time to the inner search. Spend some time every day. Meditate. Meditate for a few minutes every day and contemplate, turn these thoughts over. They're not practical in the sense of, you know, making a living and, and this and that, entertaining yourself, but they're essential. For truly human life, you have to contemplate who I am, who am I? And each in our own way will come to conclusions there and discover that which is permanent in us and that which is strong in us and that which is loving in us because we each have a place of love I call it the clear space of good feeling that has clarity it has love it has peace inside and we can attain that peace instead of fitfully moving in and out of it but we can start to live in that space and it begins with meditation so let's do that and uh, you can do Maharaja's meditation of just saying, I am, and trying to hold on to that sense, feeling sense of being 
of I am, or if you want something maybe a little more, a little easier, is to say the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, and repeat it, let other thoughts fade away and, and merge into the stillness of meditation. So we'll meditate now for 10 minutes. And once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Sakyunat Maharaj Ki Jai. Let's meditate now. Hi, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out Swamiji's latest book, Ganesh Pri Days, Memoirs of a Western Yogi. It's about the time he spent in India with his guru, Baba Muktananda, in the 1970s, and it's a great read. To get a copy, go to GaneshPriDays.com. That's G-A-N-E-S-H-P-U-R-I-Days.com. Wherever you are in the world, you can get the book on Kindle or print it in your own country.